What an exciting time uh, in the life of a child, first grade and learning to read. Some of them already know how to read, but we want them to know this is a tradition here at Calvary. We want our first graders to know us as soon as they can read that the most important book they'll ever have in their whole life is the Bible. That in the Bible, God speaks to them and shows his love for them. And so it's really appropriate because today we are continuing our series that, that we've called We Believe, and we've been covering basic Christian doctrines, and very specifically doctrines that are special to Baptists. Uh, last Sunday, Pastor Paulo talked about the Lordship of Christ. Today I'm going to talk about the doctrine of the Bible, the doctrine of the Scriptures, and I've titled the message, Says Who? And I want to invite you to open your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, where we will find our text. In fact, <clears throat> the screen will show verse 16 and 17, but I'm going to read 15 as well because it kind of ties into what we just did with First Grade Bible Day. And it says like this, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, verse 16. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Well, you know that we live in the age of information. There is so much information out there. There's more information than any of us could ever process in, uh, there's information about everything, about our screen time and about our preferences on social media and uh, any topic that you want to talk about, there is tons of information out there. And the interesting thing about it is that uh, people now think that uh, because of this information that is so fast and abundant and and, and accessible, they think they're experts, right? You talk to people, that they're experts in health or they're experts in wars, they're experts in uh, viruses, or they're experts in the economy, they're experts in politics because uh, they read these things online or whatever. And so when someone tells me, hey, did you know that such and such and such and such? And it's like, you know, some kind of fact that, that seems astounding. And I say, well, where'd you get that? TikTok. And I'm going, okay, all right. I mean, you know, or where'd you learn that? Well, I saw it on Facebook. And I go, okay, well, you know, maybe, maybe there's something to it, but that would not be my most reliable source of information. So I was when, whenever someone says something authoritatively, I say, says who? Says who? Um, because everyone has a source of truth that they trust, right? Some trust their news network above all things. Um, some trust perhaps uh, the internet or even a sacred writing like the Quran or the Book of Mormon or the Christian scriptures. There are those who are guided by their, their inner self, the, their intuition, uh, whatever feels good must be right. There are those who believe that the only truth that can be trusted is the truth that can be scientifically proven. If you can process it, reason it, if there's logic to it, then it must be true and that's the only kind of truth that there is. We've traditionally said that there are four sources of truth or authority that people rely on, especially when it comes to matters of faith. 
The first source that people might rely on is tradition. And when we say tradition, we mean what the church has believed for 2,000 years, what, what the hierarchical church, what, what uh, the church has said, this is true, the, the fathers and, and the dogmas and the doctrines, that, that's tradition. Some people rely on that heavily. Other people rely on, on their intellect. They say, if I can reason it out, if there's logic to it, if I can understand it, uh, then it, it's true. And that's the only thing that I'm going to ever rely on or believe. There are others who rely on experience. They had a vision. They had a dream. They felt something. Something changed in their heart. They, they, they felt good when they heard or they read something. And, and so it must be true because of the way that it made them feel is an experience. And there's nothing wrong with tradition or intellect or experience. It's, the question is, how reliable are they? Then the fourth source of truth is scriptures. For us Christians, it would be the Bible. For other religions, they have other kinds of sacred writings. And the question that we want to ask ourselves today is, is why should we trust the scriptures? Why are they the source of truth for us? In our text, the author instructs Timothy to consider the scriptures as God breathed. He points to the scriptures as a trustworthy source of truth. So how is the Bible better than tradition? How is it better than experience, than intellect? How is it above the Quran or the Book of Mormon or, or church dogma? Well, I, I wanna offer you uh, some uh, encouragement today as you think about what you believe. And I'm gonna mention three things that I hope will be helpful in, in affirming your faith in terms of the scriptures. The first one is that the Bible is inspired. It's a unique book. It's a unique book in, in many senses. One of those senses is that it's the, the most popular book in the world. Every year, 100 million Bibles are sold or given away around the world. It is the bestseller every year by far. There's a blogger who's not a Christian and who will tell you right quick that he's not a believer and he writes this, so he's not trying to be favorable to Christianity, but he writes this, the familiar observation that the Bible is the best-selling book of all times obscures a more startling fact. The Bible is the best-selling book of the year every year. He noted that the year that Harry Potter was maxing out as a bestseller, there were twice as many Bibles sold that very year. How many Bibles have been sold? We really don't know. Wikipedia guesses that there are about 5 billion copies that have ever been sold. Well, our text tells us that all scripture is God-breathed. Some versions translate this Greek word is theonistos, as inspired. God gives life to the scriptures. Second Peter 1.21 says, for prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So there's this supernatural process in which God uses human beings so that what they say or write has the authority of God. God did not dictate the Bible to them, like if there were some kind of a keyboard or robot that just spit out the words that they received from God. They, they didn't get golden tablets uh, from an angel. They, they, they didn't find something hidden. They, they wrote and the Holy Spirit used their personality, their experience, their style, and, and in the pages of scripture, what you have is 
their experience, but it is inspired by God, guided by God. The authority of God is in the scriptures. Uh, Bible, as you might know, it's a collection of 66 books. Now the books were approximately, they were penned by approximately 40 different authors. There were authors who lived in a span of 1600 years. Some of them were kings, some of them were shepherds, some of them were philosophers, some of them were fishermen, some of them lived in high places, some of them lived in lowly places. There's, there's uh, uh, all kinds of literature, there's poetry and there's history uh, and, and there's theology. And, and, and when you look at the pages of the scriptures, these 66 books have a cohesiveness about them. They reveal who God is and they speak to us about his work, his love, his plan of redemption for humanity. The scriptures have a common thread. All of them point to Jesus Christ. All of them have this theme of redemption. Now, how do you get 40 authors who never, a lot of them never met each other, that lived over a span of 1600 years to write a book that has one common theme, one common thread that points in the same direction. How do you do that? It's almost miraculous. It is the work of the Holy Spirit, guiding them, inspiring them. You have authors today that will write a book and then one author, and then in four or five years, they'll write something that contradicts what they wrote earlier. They'll correct what they wrote earlier. Here you have 40 authors over 1600 years writing a common message. You know that the Bible contains many prophecies. I mean, that they foretold things that would happen later. About 2,500 prophecies can be found in the scriptures. 2,000 of those have already been fulfilled. Some of them, hundreds of years before things happened, they foretold where Jesus was to be born. They foretold how Jesus was going to suffer and die. Prophecies with precision about times and places that have come to be true centuries later. Do you know what the mathematical probability is of 2,000 prophecies becoming fulfilled centuries later? It is one in 10 to the 2,000. I don't know if you know what that means. I'm not a math major, but I think that's a lot of zeros. That's just, that's just pretty much miraculous. There's no other book in the world that has predicted 2,000 different things over the centuries and they have become true. The only book that has done that is the Bible. I wish I had time, more time uh, to talk to you about the manuscript evidence for the trustworthiness of the Bible, but you, you know that <clears throat> back in the day before computers and before the printing press, that the way that uh, scriptures were written, they were written on something called papyrus. There was a, a material uh, which received ink well and, and so people would write and if you and that material would eventually disintegrate. And so people knew that in order to preserve a scripture, they had to make a copy of it. And there were no copy machines. Uh, so you had to copy it by hand. There, was, there were scribes who meticulously studied how to copy the scriptures. And so uh, you have, <clears throat> when you have the manuscripts of the Bible, you have copies of copies of copies of copies. And, and, and when you think about that, um, when, when you look at ancient writings, for example, Plato, we have seven manuscripts of Plato. We have 10 manuscripts by Caesar, 
ate by Herodotus. And no one, no one uh, contests their trustworthiness or their reliability. You know how many manuscripts we have of the New Testament? 5,800. 5,800. In the case of the manuscripts of Plato and Aristotle and, and Tacitus and Homer, they, there's a gap, average gap of about a thousand years between the time they wrote to the time, the oldest manuscript that we have. That's a long time. After the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered, which I, I wish I had time to tell you about that, we have found manuscripts that are about 10 to 50 years after it was written. And so it's an incredible amount of evidence. And when, when scholars try to determine the text, the original text, because here's the work of scholars, they have 5,800 manuscripts that are found all over the world. These are copies of copies of copies of copies over the centuries. And when they put all these things together and they try to determine what was originally written, they can do it with 99% accuracy. Now think about that. You, you, you think about this. You call a friend and you tell them something and that friend tells somebody else and that friend tells somebody else and by the time he gets to the sixth person, it's like totally different from what you originally said. You think about writings that are copies of copies of copies over the centuries and when they put them together, they have 99% accuracy. How can that ever be possible? Well, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is guiding that process, guided that process so that we would have the scriptures. In the very beginning of creation, God breathed into Adam and Eve. He, he breathed life into them. And when he gave us the scriptures, he breathed life into the pages of scriptures. Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit joints and marrow, it judges thoughts and attitudes of the heart. If you've ever read the Bible with openness, then you know that you're not just reading it, it's reading you. This book is alive. This book is the Holy Spirit speaking to you. I uh, was talking to a young man that uh, got baptized in our church a, a few months ago, earlier this year, and, and I asked him to tell me his story. And he said, well, I, I was an agnostic. That means I didn't know really whether it was a God or not. And I started searching for truth and, and I looked at other religions, I looked at other sources, I started reading a lot of things. I became very disappointed uh, and disillusioned with what I was finding. And I decided that I finally would read the New Testament. And so he started reading the New Testament and he came to the book of Romans and he said that as he was reading the book of Romans, he became convinced that God loved him and that the only way to be able to have a relationship with God was to trust Jesus, that he didn't have to earn salvation, that he didn't have to do anything to, to, to work his salvation, but the salvation was free through Jesus Christ. And he prayed to trust Christ as his Savior and Lord, and he was transformed. And so he said, now I gotta find the church. So he looked for a church and he found Calvary. And when he started coming here, well, now I gotta be baptized, and so we baptized him. But I thought, what an incredible thing, he came to the knowledge of Jesus by reading the scriptures because they have the breath of God that gives life. Secondly, the Bible is transforming. It is a useful instrument. Our text tells us that yes, scripture is God breathed, but then it says it is useful. It's inspired by God, but it has a purpose. It's not just a, a holy book to be put on a pedestal and you light a candle to it or you worship it. That's not what the Bible was given to you. 
It was given to you for a useful purpose for teaching and for rebuking, for correcting and training in righteousness. You see, God reveals himself in the scriptures. You know, the God of the heavens wants to reveal himself. He has revealed himself in creation. He has revealed himself in your conscience. There's something inside of you that has told you that there is a God. And then he's revealed himself to the pages of scripture. The Bible is more than a book of rules. The Bible is a love letter. God wants to show you that he loves you and that he wants to have a relationship with you. God speaks to the scriptures and they teach us truth. They rebuke us when we get off the, the path of life and they correct us so that we can get right back on it. And they train us in righteousness. That, mean, that means they equip us to live in relationship with God. The scriptures are God's instrument to shape us and mold us. God wants to equip you for service. He wants to prepare you for good works. Not the kind of works that will make you earn your salvation, but the kind of works that come as a result because you are saved, because you know God, because Jesus has forgiven you. See, it's a call to obedience. In other words, the purpose of the Bible is not knowledge. It's not that you would know the Bible or that you would know about God, but the purpose of the Bible is obedience. It's not about acquiring information, but it's about allowing transformation. The best question that you can ask yourself after Bible study, whether you do it by yourself or you do it with a group, the best question you can ask yourself is not, what did you learn new today? That's not the best question. Although you, you should ask that question. But the best question is, what is God calling you to do? How is God calling you to apply his word to your life? You know, a, a few weeks ago, I was, had a project of painting my fence in my backyard. And one of those days, my grandson, Daniel, came over and he wanted to help me. And, uh, and I said, okay. So I got him a little roller uh, of paint and, and a little tray. And, uh, and he was watching me. And as he would watch me, then he would do. And then uh, I switched to a, to a paintbrush. And he said, well, I want a paintbrush too. And so I had to go get him a paintbrush and gave it to him. And, and he was like trying to paint, but it wasn't working for him. So I had to go over there and, and teach him how to hold it and, and how to bring it up and, and how to bring it down. And he goes, oh, okay. And, and, and so as I was guiding him, he found joy in learning how to paint. I was not trying to abuse him, okay? Stop judging me, okay? You look at me like I'm some kind of, you know, he wanted to help me. And, and he found joy in that. You know, the scriptures is God speaking into your life where you need to grow and improve. But it's coaching you to do it in a way that will bring satisfaction to you. The scripture is not meant to limit you, but to help you live to the fullest, to live abundant life. Joy is found when we live in harmony with God and his word. But you know, one of the challenges that we have today is biblical illiteracy. How many people don't really know what the Bible says? It's kind of hard to obey the Bible if you don't know what it says. You know, there are two billion people on earth that claim to be Christian, but less than 30% of them have read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Less than 30%. Do you know that over 82% of American Christians only open their Bibles when they come to church? That's the only time during the week that they open their Bibles, it's on Sunday when they come to church. Less than, 
half of American adults can name all four gospel, four gospels. Many Christians cannot identify two, more than two or three of the disciples. Some of you are trying to think, how many can I remember? Right? I know. 60% of Americans cannot name more than five of the Ten Commandments. How can we obey if we don't know what it says? This is one of the things that really kind of shocked me. 82% of Americans believe that the phrase, God helps those who help themselves, is in the Bible. Just because it's in the country song doesn't mean it's in the Bible, y'all. It's not a verse. In a survey of graduating high school seniors, 50% of them thought that Sodom and Gomorrah were husband and wife. Yeah. Funny, not funny, right? Another, another um, considerable amount of respondents in a survey believed that the Sermon on the Mount was preached by Billy Graham. You know, the purpose of the Bible is not information, it's transformation, but transformation can't happen if you don't know the Bible. We need to read it. We need to know it. We need to think of the Bible as a love letter from God and pursue it. And then thirdly, the Bible is authoritative. It, it gives us ultimate truth. It's inspired, God breathed. It's transforming, but it's also authoritative. The Bible does not save us, but it points us to the Savior. The Bible is not a code that we can use to earn our place with God. The Bible is a compass that guides us to Christ, our mediator, our bridge, our connection with God. The Bible is God's written revelation which points to the ultimate revelation of God. See, I've, I've said to you that God revealed himself in creation. When you look at the stars, when you look at the planets, when you look at the plants and the animals with, with, with openness of mind, you, you have to believe that there's a creator. God reveals himself in your conscience. There's something in all human beings that tells us that, that there is a God. That's, people worship something. Everybody worships something. Some worship the living God. Some worship material things. Some worship themselves. But everybody worships something because we are made to connect with God. And God reveals himself to the pages of Scripture. But his ultimate revelation is not a book. It's a person. John 1.1 says, in the beginning was the Word, that's Logos, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then verse 14 says, and the Word became flesh, and made his dwelling among us, we have seen his glory, glory of the only and the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. What an incredible thing. God so wants to reveal himself that after, not only did he give us the scriptures, but he gave us a person who lived among us, Jesus, the word of God, revealing to us who God is. He's the word, the, the logos made human. God's word in his highest sense is a person. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The Bible is authoritative because it was given by him and because it points to him. Look at Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. It says, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. Last Sunday, Pastor Paulo established the truth that Jesus is Lord. He's Lord over the church. He's Lord over believers. 
The Bible is a book that is sacred and inspired, but it's not our Lord. Jesus is our Lord. But through the scriptures, Jesus guides us to obey him, to know him. I told you, I think, uh, when we started this series that Calvary ascribes to a doctrinal statement that is called the Baptist Faith and Message of 1963. There are other versions of it, but that's the one that we ascribe to. And the first article is on the scriptures, and I want to read it to you so that you know what it says, you know what our stance is as, as a church. <clears throat> it says, the Holy Bible was written by men divinely inspired and is the record of God's revelation of himself to men. It is a perfect treasure of divine instruction. It has God for its author, salvation for its end, and truth without any mixture of error for its matter. It reveals the principles by which God judges us and therefore is and will remain to the end of the world the true center of Christian union and the supreme standard by which all human conduct, creeds, and religious opinions should be tried. The criterion by which the Bible is to be interpreted is Jesus Christ. That's a, 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 a true statement in every sense, but that last phrase is so important. It was taken out of the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. I don't know why. But if Jesus is the Logos made flesh, if Jesus is Lord, then he's the criterion by which we interpret the Bible. Jesus is Lord of the scriptures. In other words, he's our key to the interpretation of all the scriptures. Now let me say this, having read this article from our statement of faith, let me say this, that any human creed, any human doctrine or religious opinion or behavior should always be tried by the scriptures. We cannot impose anything on anyone but the Bible. The Lordship of Christ means that no church, no priest, no pastor, no denomination, no convention can impose on a believer or a church any statement of faith other than the Bible itself. Colossians 2, six through eight says, so then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthening the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. We want to rely on Christ and his word. Calvary Baptist Church of McAllen will never force you to sign any doctrinal statement, whether it's the 1963 or the 2000 or the 3000, I don't know, whatever there is out there. They shouldn't, and if anybody does, say no. No one should force you to sign a doctrinal statement. We should tell you what our statement is, and when you join our church, you should acknowledge that that's our statement and respect that, but it should not be imposed on your conscience. If anybody makes you sign anything, then open the Bible, says, I'll sign the Bible. Similarly, no Baptist convention or association should impose their interpretation of the Bible or their statement of faith on any church. This church has only one Lord, and his name is Jesus. This church has only one reliable, trustworthy, inspired source of authority, and it is the scriptures. The Bible is our source of truth, inspired as a unique book. It is transforming as a useful tool that God uses to shape us and mold us. And it's authoritative. The ultimate source and standard of truth and faith. So what does that mean to you and me? Well, <clears throat> I want to just 
suggest three things. First one is that you should believe it if you don't already do that. That you should come to the scriptures with faith, knowing this is God speaking to me. Second, that you should build on it. That your beliefs, your, whatever it is that you believe, should be built on the scriptures. It's a, it's a good foundation. And the third one and the most important one, that you be transformed by it. That you let God's word change you and make you into the person that God wants you to be. You know, one of the things that uh, many of us take for granted is the fact that we have access to the Bible in our own language, uh, printed and in our devices. But you know, if you study history, I, don't, I wish I had more time, but if you study history, you'll know that for the Bible to be translated from the original languages to our vernacular, to our languages, there were people who were in prison, who were burned at the stake, who were strangled, who were drowned, who were exiled, so that we could have the Bible in English or Spanish or whatever language. And so when you look at your Bible, don't take it for granted. People lost their lives to make sure that you had access to God's word. Would you bow your head with me? Father, thank you for the Bible. Thank you for the spirit that inspired it, that illumines our minds and that allows us to receive it. Father, as we respond to your word today, may you bring conviction, may you stir up faith in us, may you allow us to be obedient to you and discover the joy of knowing you and walking with you. 